We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Gator Nation Football Podcast with your hosts, Alan Williams and James DiVirgilio. Now we know we're just a bunch of average stiffs. Scared money don't make money, you know. Welcome to a very special edition of the Gator Nation Football Podcast. I'm your host, James DiVirgilio, alongside Alan Williams. We are not in the studio today. We are on the road. In fact, right now we are inside Florida's football offices and we have a very special guest for you. That's right. Head coach Billy Napier himself. Hyped to be here, James. Super fun. The podcast never stops surprising us. Yeah, last time we were here, Alan, this was under construction, and we saw this palatial office uh, that's overlooking several great things, the pool down here to our left, so to speak, and then outside in the offices we have Florida's football practice fields and then beneath us, we have like cold therapy tubs and everything else. We haven't seen it yet. It's a great facility. But we are going to talk a lot about strategy on this podcast because all of you, of course, know how much we love talking about that. If it's your first time listening to us, we are all about strategy and analytics. And that will be our conversation today with Billy Napier. Before that, though, if you like this content, as always, follow us on social media, sub to our YouTube channel where we give you film breakdowns. And become a patron on Patreon, where you too can drop us a dono to support our efforts to bring you more content like this. As always, shout out to all of those who help us be read, Carly the Commissioner. And shout out to the ever-interesting GNFP Java and GNFP Sammy, which in the offseason have largely divulged into all sorts of theoretical discussions about who's the best player or best team, or which coach do you like more or less, or are we doomed? Uh, but, you know, that's typical offseason chatter. And thank you, Guillermo Batista, for yeah. coming in during the quiet period, so to speak, here and dropping a dono. Appreciate that. It was great corresponding with you. Welcome to the GNFP family. And still sitting on the throne is one James Ridge. James, I've got a lot of comments from people wondering where you are in the threads. You've been quiet. Perhaps say hello, make an appearance. But he still is the GNFP throne sitter. And Alan, as always, read out our dono legends. Let's start with Barry Jenkins. Guy Tumbleson, Cooper and Kylie Craig, Jason Walker, the big homie, Lil Payton, Constantine, Double O, Alexander Leventhal, Diego Rivera, Bill Hood, James Newton, Nathan Jeter, Stash Me, Bobby Boucher, Frank Marcellisi, Mike Wechter, Tim Kane, Nicholas Isaac, Mike, Mark Jackson, Tim Hendrick, 
James Truett, Gus O'Leary, Brad Wilson, Mark Mitchell, Chris Folsom, Dr. Matthew Galloway, Jamie Galliano, Aaron Jeter, Jason Landry, Michael Reeves, Jason Johnson, Zach Sparks, Mark Rubenstein, Tyler Remery, Craig Scarado. All right, as we mentioned, joining us now is head coach Billy Napier. Billy, we're so excited to have you on the program. Yeah, no, I'm really been looking forward to this and uh, been educated about what you guys do and a ton of respect for your perspective and looking forward to this. Well, thanks. So, you know, we talk a lot about strategy and thinking big picture and all those types of things. You're someone who's known as a strategic thinker in the football community. When did you realize you were drawn to that part of the world or that part of leadership? Mm -hmm. Well, I think just growing up with my dad being a high school coach, um, since I can remember being in his hip pocket on the sideline in the locker room, equipment room, weight room. I mean, my dad was, uh, you know, it's what he did, right? And uh, he very much an overachiever, took the personnel that he had, and really his teams were respected in that regard. So I've got two brothers that are high school football coaches as well. So it's what we what we do, and we've been doing it a long time. Now, strategically, let's talk about offense. Uh, as you start your journey as a head coach, of course, you'd been in OC, you'd been around a ton of programs. How do you choose which offense you want to run? There's endless choices. How did right. you select the one that you arrived at? Yeah, so I, I think that we ultimately, I think it's not necessarily about the offense as much as it is about the entire team, right? I think you want to have a complementary approach on offense, defense, and special teams relative to how you build the roster, uh, the brand of football that you want to play on both sides, uh, and then the teaching progression and then the competitive dynamic from a development standpoint in the practice setting, right? So um, you have to prepare uh, your offense and your defense for a number of variables You'd like that to be on the high end from a percentage standpoint that they will see, uh, and that that requires you to be pretty uh, multiple, um, create a number of fronts, pressures, and coverage in a practice setting on defense, a number of formation, motion, uh, and then run and pass concepts offensively, right? So um, you want to be complicated enough to cause issues for the opponent, uh, but simple enough to develop players and for young players to be able to play, uh, in particular in today's climate. So, you know, I think you put your offense and your defense together throughout the entire year, and the closer you get this season, the more you become more personnel-centric. Uh, these are the players that we have this year, uh, and this is how we can play winning football, right? So, and ultimately we want to – Win the turnover margin. We want to win the explosive battle, and we want to win the uh, rushing battle, right? And those three together we know um, can lead to a really good football team. So when you're looking at, as you mentioned, your plan to win, you've got a strategic element, which is, hey, perhaps I want to be more of a zone-running team mm -hmm. than a gap team. Uh, you have a tactical element, which is depending on who's playing quarterback or what I have on the offensive line or skill positions, I might tweak – how often I use 12 personnel or 11 personnel or I run play action or I run the pistol or things like that. How do you arrive at perhaps that form? Like what do you use to make those decisions as you flex each year to kind of choose this might be a bedrock for us? Like how do you, how do you yeah. evaluate so, that? So 
there's a fine line between between being systematic and then being personnel driven. Um, and I think that's what I'm when I reference as you get closer to the year. You know, you want to have enough variables in your systems to where okay, we've got some really unique players here. Let's go this direction. Um, so I think that we like to play within two groupings on offense, right? We like to play in 12 personnel about 40% of the game. We like to play in 11 personnel about 60% of the game. Within those two groupings, we want to create a number of variables, right? We want to be high on the variable side, low on the personnel side, uh, and we want to vary the tempo, uh, not necessarily play – um, you know, at breakneck pace the entire game, uh, we want to have multiple tempos within the game, right? So, and I think a lot of this goes back to having a background. I've coached on defense, I've coached tight ends, I've coached quarterbacks, I've coached receivers, um, and then I've been in working environments where we always evaluated the big picture relative to how we're playing complementary football, watching all the film together, uh, the offensive and defensive staff in the same room. Uh, there's consistent dialogue there about how you can, you know, create issues for the other side um, and do that in a way to where it's simple for you uh, but complicated for them, right? So, you know, ultimately that's how we built the teams we've had in the past, and I think um, that's the direction we're headed here, right? Now, an exciting thing for me is I think we're in year two from a continuity standpoint. Not only the players learning the material, but also the teachers teaching the material. So I think um, we've got a chance to make a big jump uh, for some of these reasons that you're asking questions about. Yeah, we love to talk a lot about game theory on the podcast, which is what you were just alluding to. If you bring the offense and defense together and the defense knows if the offense lines up like this and they do this and then we show them this and then do this, and you begin an endless leveling process, right? right. Which is the beauty of football. Then we show them this, they do this, etc. And obviously it takes time to get everyone on the same page to sure. where your players can even begin to yeah. To get to that point, so let's like let's look at the quarterback's view uh, in your offense. If we come into the huddle, how does your system work? Do we have multiple places a quarterback to work with, and I get the choice to kill one, keep one, check? Like how yeah. much is yeah? How much freedom is given, and how does that work between the play yeah. caller and then so, the quarterback? Yeah, we have. Um, I would say, at times, I would not say every play, but there is a run pass. Uh, run, run, pass to run, um, even pass to pass at, at some point in time. Um, I think those are all built in. I think as you have a little bit more of a veteran quarterback, maybe there'll be more of that, right? Um, but I do think that we did some of that last year. You know, I think at Louisiana, we may have carried a few more of those because we had a guy who was second, third-year starter, so there's much more familiarity. Um, but, yeah, and I would tell you that nowadays we're already doing some of those things, and it's, it's one play all in one, right? I mean, you've got run pass options. You've got perimeter tags to go along with running plays, right? So, and I would say typically that's – we're built that way probably as much as any team in the country relative to, hey, we're running this run concept 
right? But we're controlling these two perimeter players over here with this tag, and we have an opportunity if the structure's right to throw it to the perimeter on this this side of the field. Um, and you know, a lot of teams do different things of that nature, but I think every run and play to some degree, there's a quarterback decision being made, right? Very rarely we just dialing up a run with no perimeter controls. Um, it's one of the reasons why we've been effective at rushing the ball, especially if the quarterback can make the correct decision on a consistent basis. You always want to have the advantage from a numbers or leverage standpoint when the ball gets declared, right? So that's why the quarterback decision-making is a critical piece of the, the system. And there's there's so much, as you mentioned, being placed upon a quarterback if your system is is, let's call it complete. Or like you mentioned, if the quarterback knows what's happening and they can be your brain inside the huddle and they can look at the field and know, okay, if they line up here, we have this, we could have this. Yeah. If they do this, we go to that. But obviously that puts a lot of um, of demand on having a quarterback have that experience. Mm-hmm. I guess as a tactical question, is it harder in modern college football to develop quarterbacks that can have that because guys don't necessarily stay in a program to, to spend the years learning those finer details of that is it more difficult to bring a guy up to speed in this environment? Uh, I think the rules allow you to do more with the players than you used to be able to do. Um, you know, I think about what we do with our team, and the quarterback is a microcosm of the team. You know, relative to the off-season program, spring practice, um, you know, the summer OTAs approach, training camp, and in season. You know, we're really getting about five times a year where we're teaching the system from start to finish. Um, so I, I think that player retention is important. You know, I mean, I think that any system for a quarterback, in my opinion, year one will be somewhat of a learning curve. There's going to be mistakes made. Um, as simple as it may be for you in your mind as a coach, the player is not it. He's not there yet, right? So um, very rarely does a quarterback win rookie of the year in the National Football League, if that makes sense, right? So uh, and very rarely do you have a true freshman uh, all-conference player at the quarterback position in college football, right? So I think that my experience, and we had a number of great players at the position in Alabama, this is uh, ties into the entire program philosophy relative to two-spot practice format. Um, you know, development development occurs through reps. Players learn by doing, and we just try to you know create a year-round plan where there's reps available. You know, and and for each part of the each first team, second team, third team, even a fourth unit at times, and starting. In the summer, we would work four groups. So, thinking about the fourth quarterback, you know, a lot of places, that's why the walk-on program is important. Um, and there's a number of variables that contribute to player development. And to me, that all starts with the quarterback, right? And if we can keep the third and fourth unit alive so that the fourth, third and fourth quarterback are gaining experience, that all contributes to their development. So, um you know, ultimately, we it's one of the tough things about where we were at last year and the tough things about where we're at this year to some degree. So, 
but I do, I do have confidence in what we do and how we do it. And we've taken our teaching to a completely different level in a lot of regards to help compensate for some of these things that, you know, we know are issues on our team. So you're also famously process oriented. You've already mentioned like references to phases that you have in the team. So you run it for one year in the SEC. Was there a particular phase that you're like, hey, man, we need to iterate on this better. We need to do better in this one that you learned along the way that that's the one you do the most improvement in? I mean, I think the football piece is pretty well earned out. I mean, I've got I, – I mean, I think we took – we started kind of in the, the blueprint we used at Louisiana was the original Alabama blueprint to some degree. I see it from an offensive perspective. And then you got to see it from a head coaching perspective, right, relative to playing complementary football. And then we evolved each year. You know, from a football standpoint at Louisiana, we had to go to another level. There was another layer. We started in a different place there than we did maybe at the Power Five level. And it caused us to evaluate the way we teach, the way we meet, the way we walk through, the way we practice. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think I don't have any – I think that's that part of our process – uh, is airtight. I think the summer blueprint last summer was new because of the new rules that were made. Um, I think that's where the process gets tweaked a little bit relative to rule changes, time allocation changes. You know, they gave us an opportunity to work with the players with the ball on the field last year in the summer for the first time. Now, we did that away. We're, we're altering that plan in uh, this summer relative to what we experienced last year. What we like, what we not like. Um, you know, we do a ton of research in the offseason about how other teams allocated their time and what their approach they took. So we've got a new structure for this summer for OTAs. We're actually doing it a little bit different in summer one when the staff is here. And then we're going to take a different approach in summer two when the staff is on vacation. So the formats will change a little bit based off the personnel available to work with the players. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's the only only tweak. Everything else we do, um, and got a ton of confidence in that. So the the big adjustments have been in evaluation and recruitment. Right, that's where the big adjustments have been able to. That's where the major changes have taken place. Because the Power Five level early signing period has completely, it's a different world than maybe my last Power Five experience and then what I did at Louisiana in the Group of Five setting. So that's where we've made the most changes in our recruiting and evaluation kind of workflow, time of the year, what we're doing, all that type of stuff. So you've talked a little bit about, you know, you're building a program for the long haul here. And there's this balance between like, you know, present outcomes versus future success. Like Mm -hmm. how much, how do you weigh that out as someone who's like thinking, all right, you know, we got football games to win, but we're also headed towards the future. We want to get things in place. Uh, If you could just talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you know, you just get consumed with all the things that you know, you can do that will affect the outcome, if that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. 
present actions create future results, right? So, I mean, we can sit around and worry, you know, there's no place for that, you know, in life in general, right? Or you can have a plan for the day and here are the things that we're going to, we know work, got to get good at the basics and you just have to execute day after day after day, right? Solve problems, make really good decisions, um, empower your people, um, and then just quality control everything we do. And then next time we do it, get better at it, you know, and don't make the same mistakes twice. I think that's one of the things we've always prided ourselves in. Like, hey, you get us once. Okay, great. But you're not going to get us again. You know, and we're going to, I think it's ultimately how we had success in the past is we're always refining what we, the approach that we're taking and that what we do with our time. And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to be successful here. It's just a matter of how fast it's going to happen. That's what I would tell you. I mean, I would like to think that um, I would be hopeful that it would happen faster than um, fast, quickly. But reality is it may take us a little bit of time to get it done. So, you know, we're going to have to get – balls got to bounce the right way here or there. Um, but, you know, we didn't think about last year. We lost five games by essentially one score. I mean, we can play a little bit better at the end of the half and the beginning of the third quarter if we can, uh, you know, play a little bit better on defense uh, in terms of giving up explosive plays. Um, I mean, there's a number of variables that we weren't good at all. You know, third down defense, red zone offense, and there's a lot of areas on our team where we know, hey, look, we, we sucked. You know what I mean? So, I mean – is what it is, right? We did a lot of things great. We created a lot of explosive plays. Um, you know, there, there are metrics in a lot of areas in our team. We were good, but we had one act of a highlight reel, but we were a very inconsistent team. You know? So we just got to play with more precision. We got to quit giving the opponent things and get back to – that's where we were at Louisiana. We didn't give you an inch. You had mm-hmm. to earn everything that you got. So – We'll get there. I think um, we need to keep adding quality personnel. We need to retain players, and we need to plug them in and just execute. And over time, I think we'll produce a really good football team. As a final question, in my non-podcasting life, uh, which is my real life, I'm an investor, and as an investor, everything is based on probability, much like football. It's not deductive reasoning. It's not always, never, it's not true or false. And one of the most challenging things is you can do the right thing every day. You can be in the right process. You can make the right probability-based decision and the right strategy. And you can have awkward or bad results for a a long time in human years, a year, year and a half, two years sometimes. Football is much the same. You've kind of alluded to that. How do you manage that situation where modern-day football is a is a boilerplate of instant reaction and it's it, it can cause even professional investors to write to to lose their strategy to change their stuff perhaps mm-hmm. to appease people how do you stick with knowing hey i believe in this you said it's worked i know it's going <clears> to <throat> work even if the noise gets harder the ball doesn't bounce the right way or things look tricky in the short term yeah i mean i think you gotta lean on um you know i, mean, I think it's important that you surround yourself with really good people um, and that you you try to take an approach where 
you're always telling yourself the truth. You know, you remain objective in having processes in place where you just call it exactly like it is. You know, I think sometimes we can, we have a tendency to be very subjective in life, you know, if that makes sense. So, you know, hey, what did we do well? Okay, great. You know, what worked, what didn't work? What did we do poorly? What's our plans to address those things? You know, how do we need to adjust? How do we need to adapt? Um, and know that that's going to be the case. Even when you have, you know, we're going to have tremendous success here, but there's going to be, you know, how do we sustain that? How do we repeat that? Uh, and the game changes every year, right? The rules change. The, uh, I mean, think about where the, the state of college football right now relative to the competitive dynamic, right? I mean, this is uh, – it's probably more uh, volatile than at any point in the history of the game, right? The number of variables that can contribute to building a roster, right? Then, then retention of a roster, right? Uh, and I would say the same would be applied to the pace and the lifestyle of your staff relative to retention, right? Relative to uh, being able to do your job consistently. So, that's why I go back to the way we started this conversation. Best thing you can do for your people is provide consistency and routine and structure. Um, and so people can get good at their job and know what's expected of them. If you're changing every year and you're jumping all over the place and, you know, I mean, you got no chance in this profession, right? So, you know, we have a new coordinator on defense, but, you know, from a, verbiage and structure and you know we're not getting too far from where we were at put your spin on it but ultimately you know the players know a system your job is to learn that and then add to it you know present it the way you want to present it call it the way you want to call it right so same thing could be said at louisiana we had different special teams coordinators but we keep the the core the main thing the main thing you know, so that's the key to the drill, and that, that applies to every part of the building, you know, and we got to get better at what we do, right, and trust that, you know, that will affect the product. You know, I mean, college football is unique, right? You work countless hours, and then you get to put a product out there 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 times a year, right? So uh, it's much like the spring game sample size, right? That can – cause people to jump off a bridge so <laughs> uh it is what it is i uh yeah i'm i think the gators will be better well thanks so much for taking a little bit of time for us we really appreciated hearing your thoughts on all this stuff and yeah i think uh hearing you talk about your perspective on the whole process has been really enlightening so thank you so much all right guys thank you all we hope you enjoyed that conversation and today's episode. Alan, tell us what's coming up next. We're going to have our annual May mailbag next week. So start sending in your questions for us, everything from this interview to anything else you want us to answer about Gator football. And we'll get that to you. We're going to record that on the 31st. So yeah, get those questions to us. We'll try to answer all the ones we can. We're always super appreciative of that process. And... We'll see you guys then. Have a great week. Go Gators.